This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Primal Screen, a show and podcast all about screen culture from movies on the big screen to whatever it is that you're streaming. We're broadcasting tonight from the Triple R studios on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation. This is and always will be Aboriginal land. Big thanks to Fee for the last three hours of MAPS. I'm your host, Flick Ford, and I'm joined in the studio tonight by reviewer Stephen A. Russell. Hello. Hello, Stephen. Uh, senior lecturer in media at RMIT, it's Dr. Jess Balanced-Kick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were making too much eye contact we there. Man, that might have put you off. <laughs> Balanced-Kick. Beautiful. Yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> and research fellow in RMIT's Social Change Enabling Impact Platform, uh, Dr. Sarah Polkinghorn. Oh dear, Sarah. Hello. So happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I'm stumbling through these names this morning. I this morning. So this <laughs> I, I need a second coffee. Uh, look, it is Radiothon here at Triple R. Um, it's a time in which we reach out to you, the listener, and we ask for your support. It is your subscription to the station that keeps um, independent community radio alive. We are all volunteers here on Primal Screen. This show is very much a passion project for many of us. It's also a platform in which we can showcase the screen community here in Melbourne and be in conversation with the broader film community, both on a domestic and an international scale. And the theme for this year is It's Educational, which is a nod to Triple R's origin as a student radio station at RMIT back in the 70s. And over the decades, it has morphed into its own entity with incisive political, social and cultural discussion, curated music shows and um, creating a space for independent views and opinions. Now, Stephen, as a writer and reviewer, what do you think is the value of having an independent platform for film criticism and discussion? It's incredibly important. I mean, unfortunately... You know, we're, we've we've seen a real shrinking of publications and outlets yeah. and programs. You know, the ABC just got rid of its arts department. Mm. So increasingly, we're seeing a, a kind of shrinking of what we can talk about as well. That's become more and more focused on celebrity, and yeah. often not even Australian celebrity. Mm. So I think it's so important that we have you know, cultural icons like this station that will allow us to to talk to the smallest independent Australian filmmakers, to, you know, to have academics and to, ha- to give a different angle on, yeah. on things as well and sit here and have a real 
rigorous discussion. And I know, you know, there isn't even a movie show on television in Australia anymore. Bring back Margaret and David immediately. <laughs> 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 so to have an hour yeah. t- to really get in the weeds yes. with it is such a luxury. It really yeah. is. And it is lovely that we are not restrained in any way in, to, in terms of what we talk about on the show. We don't have any affiliations that we need to sort of um, kowtow to. And there's... All of our opinions are, of course, our own. And I think that also just being able, like you say, to focus on some of the smaller independent films and projects, but also really talking, um, you know, putting them in conversation with some larger international um, directors. And I love that when that happens. It's so good. Honestly, yeah. it's such a joy to come on this um, anytime, you know, anytime <laughs> I'm, I'm here. <laughs> And much of the um, excellent academic work that's happening at universities is, is showcased every week uh, on shows like Radiotherapy, uh, Uncommon Sense, Amy Mullins' show, The Grapevine, uh, Radio Marinara, and of course here at Primal Screen. Jess, Sarah, you are both academics at RMIT. Um, what do you think? Uh, why do you think it's important for Triple R listeners to have access to the research that's being done at our universities? Oh, gosh, that's a huge question and so important. <laughs> what I'm thinking of, so, you know, just for background, I'm, I'm not a film scholar myself. I'm an information science researcher. And so one of the core questions that, that I think about um, in my work is, is how do people become informed? How do people come to feel that they are informed? And so um, really from my perspective, it's, it's in the context of answering that question that I think the importance of a station like this becomes becomes apparent, right? And and certainly to speak to your question more more directly, um, you know, we we urgently need all of the incredible work that's being done across this country and honestly all around the world in our post-secondary institutions mm. to have to have ways just to connect with people of all walks of life, right? Because we really uh, we really can't anticipate the impact. I mean, we try to, and we try to plan mm. to have impact and to create positive change with our work. We're always driving toward that. But a huge part of that is just just, just putting it out there and, and mm. enabling people to make sort of serendipitous connections and, um, you know, act on things that just tweak their interest or mm. actually a- address a need that they have, whether it's just for information or for a- something else in their lives. So mm. that's something that comes to mind for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jess, you've been on the show a few times. <laughs> um, Thanks what... for having me, as always. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, what is... Um, what what is triple R of uh, triple triple R and also Primal Screen mean to you as an academic as a listener? It means a huge amount. I think Primal Screen is so central to kind of Melbourne screen culture, as Stephen was saying before. That it provides this avenue for really rigorous discussion is so important in a landscape where cultural criticism generally, but particularly film and TV criticism, is kind of on the decline when it comes mm. to mainstream coverage across newspapers and online and mm. uh, that the, the mode of criticism has, as Stephen was also alluding to, shifted quite a lot. So mm. being able to have an, an hour devoted to rigorous film chat is so important that Triple R provides that avenue. As a listener, I'm constantly tuning in because there's such an amazing mix always of, as, as you were saying, researchers... Uh, filmmakers, film critics. So the conversations are always so robust and productive and meaningful. And, of course, you mentioned the RMIT 
heritage of, yeah, of Triple R, yeah. but it still provides this really important avenue for students to develop experience and to share ideas in this really free uh, way that, as you're saying, is not um, tied to... I guess, the corporate interests of, of, mm. of media partners. So there's still a room with a view, for instance, which yes. is presented by RMIT media yeah. students. Yeah. So it's so vital. Yeah. Yeah, and oh yeah, shout out definitely to Room with a View. I think it's fantastic that that still exists, and there are so many other uh, training and development um, opportunities that are offered to emerging broadcasters, all of whom are, are volunteers. And um, yeah, often yeah, Room with a View does feature student pieces, news, interviews, and music, and it's every Tuesday from five till six a.m. But you can also just listen back to any of those episodes on um, at rrr.org.au. And tonight's on tonight's show, we're going to be tapping in to some of that incisive critical opinion with our review and, and kind of reckoning of Talk To Me, an Aussie horror that came out the other month. And it's set to become one of the most popular films of the year and one of the... Um, top-ranking uh, horrors. And so we're going to also hear um, from Jess and Sarah about an exciting screening series that's happening at RMIT later this week for Social Sciences Week. Um, so stay tuned and please do consider subscribing or donating to Triple R to keep community radio alive. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's Radiothon here at Triple R and I'm delighted that we've already had some lovely listeners hop online and renew, subscribe and donate. Um, big thank you to Tressa Leclerc from Carlton. Oh, subscribing. I know Tressa. Yeah. Um, subscribing to Primal Screen. Thanks you, Tressa. Um, Kate McIntyre from Mount Eliza who's renewing to JVG Radio Method. Kate says, happy Radiothon, J- JVG, keep on trucking. Uh, we also have uh, Haley Inch from St Kilda. Oh. Thank you, Haley. You're subscribing. Uh, you're renewing your subscription to Primal Screen. Uh, Haley says, "Independent radio and independent film criticism forever." Uh, and we also have one more, um, Martin Kashmir from Northcourt, Northcourt, who is renewing. So thank you, Martin. Um, so on tonight's show, we're, we're catching up on a film that actually came out back in late July, but it's getting a lot of buzz. And just about 15 hours ago, it was uh, took over from Hereditary as A24's uh, Highest grossing horror film, is that right, Stephen? Uh, highest grossing film, full stop. Oh, wow, like, I didn't realise. Like, okay. um, it's insane how wow. well this, this little Australian <laughs> horror that could has just smashed the international box offices. And here, like, it's it's absolutely romping home in the in the Australian box office as well. And, like, there's such an amazing story behind this because um, the, 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 the twin brother duo, Danny and Michael Philippou, they very early on, someone in Hollywood got hold of the script for this incredible demonic possession story, and was literally standing by to throw a bucket load of money at them to go and take it to America, and and you know that get is all wild. The... When does that ever happen? I know. First of all, I mean, first of all, that is insane. Anyway, right? What's even more insane is that they said no way because they were so determined. These they're they're, they're from Piraka. They're, they're really into their, you know, Adelaide community. They've got a load of filmmaker friends. 
they were adamant that they were going to do it at home in an Australian voice. So then America was like, okay, well, what if you film it in Adelaide but pretend it's America and with American stars? And they were like, still no. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where it gets even more insane. So they, they do it with Causeway Films, like what an incredible Australian production company that um, they've supported films like, you know, The Babadook, The Nightingale. They so they did it on a much smaller than Hollywood budget, right? Roughly around, I think, four, four and a half million in total. So wild. <laughs> they then get an invitation to debut after after they debuted in, at the at the closing night of the Adelaide Film Festival last year. But their international debut, they get invited to Sundance, which is already like the dream of any little indie filmmaker to you know to go to the the mountains and the snow in america and that's where a lot of dreams are made and you know it's often an early bellwether for oscars so they go there and then there's this insane battle to buy this incredible film because of its australian voice because Mm. it sounds like one of the things i love about it being called talk to me it's kind of there in the title. Yeah. It is literally talking to teenagers, not in a how do you do, younglings <laughs> kind of way. You know, it's, it's very much a proper Aussie teenager film. Yeah. And so then it, there's this insane battle. A24 picks it up and, you know, to, to distribute it around the world. Mm. And it, yeah, it's just it's gone gangbusters. It's made ten times its budget already, and it doesn't look like it's particularly slowing down yet. And so this is, it's just it's such a great story of, you know, as we were saying in the intro about how important you know independent yeah, radio is, yeah. how important it is that our independent filmmakers feel supported locally and and feel inspired by and and determined to stick to their guns mm-hmm. and and that's why traditionally there's a, such a great tradition of when Australian horror speaks in its own voice yes. I'm thinking of the Babadook I'm thinking yeah. of Wake and Fright Picnic at Hanging Rock you know we, we Wolf Creek there's so many incredible examples of absolutely Australian films that just you know, are rightly seen as classics. Mm. Well, we've mentioned, you mentioned the accents themselves, which is a whole nother level of sort of, I just feel like Australian horror makes somehow the accents make it even more horrifying. So Talk To Me, as you mentioned, Stephen, is about a a group of teenagers who discover that they're able to contact spirits using a mysterious and very creepy embalmed hand. (laughs) Um, The twin, uh, it's the directorial debut of twin brothers Danny and Michael Philippou and before we get into the film, yep. a quick detour into these two filmmakers. So um, you mentioned before how they, they kind of got yep. headhunted yep. Um, and, and declined the, all those headhunting. But I just realised when I mean, you mentioned before where they're from, I, I understand Raka now Raka. that... Yeah, YouTube channel Raka Raka, yep. that is what that's in reference that's to. It's, it, is. <laughs> I didn't, it took me a little while to, grip, yeah. to grasp that it's yeah. literally their suburb. But yeah, you might be aware of them, though these, these, these sort of... How would you describe it? It's sort of like a uh, jackass style yeah. 
intense stunts and and just kind of proto horror films on YouTube. Yeah. I, I really recommend going. They're just incredible. I mean, look, I was lucky enough to interview them, and I can promise you the energy they bring <laughs> to that YouTube channel is literally how they are. It's like ping pong trying Amazing. to you know, <laughs> corral I, them. I love how that experimental horror filmmaking on YouTube is becoming such it a really big is. training ground for emerging filmmakers because Skinnamarink is one of my mm-hmm. other. Uh, horror movie obsessions at the moment, which was an ultra low budget experimental horror movie, which started out on YouTube as well. Carl Absolutely. Ball, that, that his feature debut, but he started out as a prototype with that film on YouTube. So I love YouTube as this experimental horror filmmaking testing and talent development kind of. Absolutely, and without gatekeeping. Mm. So, you know, mm. because you can now create films, in fact, you can do it on an iPhone, you know. Mm. Even even Soderbergh has created films on iPhones. So there's that, that element where we're seeing more queer voices, we're seeing yeah. more people of colour, because there isn't the traditional gatekeeping, and anyone can get online, create something, it gets a bit of buzz behind it, and then all of a sudden, it's almost like all the institutions are falling backwards mm. to, to to get on top of these exciting developments, Absolutely. which is fab. I loved hearing as well some of the background to the production of, of the film, and, and even at before it even came into being, that kind of push and pull between these big studio execs and, and these filmmakers. Um, in your, you, you've written about this in Screen Hub, Stephen, yep. um, and you refer to it as a seat-jumping cult hit in the making. <laughs> I feel like it's already made it. You, you met, we mentioned before about A24, highest-grossing film. That is just wild, I mean, isn't it? This is the thing, right? So A24 has – they have – the muscle in America mm. to put really great advertising campaigns out there. It's something that we often I actually, it's one of my kind of bugbears with the Australian scene is there often isn't that money put at that very important end where, where we're talking about getting things out somewhere. Mm. You know, you need people to know it's there. And so often we don't see a lot of advertising mm. money in Australian films. So what's really heartening about how it's done so well here is a lot of that is word of mouth. Yeah, It's people going along to the film, loving it, yeah. putting that onto, you know, their Insta stories or TikTok <laughs> or what, you know, and, yeah. and just... Like this film is being carried around the world by teenagers who are loving it, and and I'm, and I say teenagers, I am a forty four year old man who <laughs> adores this film. You know, it's not just for teens; it's really. But you know, I grew up. You know, I mean, some of my first engagement with films was going to my older cousins and then playing films I really should not be watching <laughs> when I'm being babysat, like you know, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. So you know, I, I just I, to me that's what horror is. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You know scaring yourself silly. <laughs> <laughs> I also love how this is positioned uh, in relation to a growing trend of Australian horror. Um, Jess, you've got a fantastic piece in the conversation, 10 years of homegrown horror hits. Um, tell us about this golden age of Aussie horror. Yeah, well, as Stephen was suggesting, I think it's more than a 10-year golden age, but we're in like a 10-year wave, a golden <laughs> wave <laughs> right now because there's been, there's been these bursts of mm. horror success throughout Australian film history. Uh, but I think the last decade is a really concentrated and interesting period mm. of experimentation as well as global success because even when we think back to uh, the, the 70s and early 80s when there was a lot of Australian horror being made, there was this sharp divide between these kind of highbrow Australian Gothic films like Picnic and Hanging Rock and... Mm you know, the Ausploitation, yep. now cult classics, but at the time often critically derided films like um, 
Oh, what's the wild boar film that I'm uh, playing? Razorback. Razorback, of course. <laughs> Razorback. Absolute classic. Razorback, a classic, yes. But um, all, this kind of uh, high-low cultural divide, whereas films yep. like The Babadook and Talk to Me yep. are gaining huge critical mm. acclaim as well. Mm. And interesting to note, it's very concentrated given that the Philippu brothers, yep. one of their first jobs was on Jennifer Kent's The Babadook. Oh, right. Um, and they talk about that influence a great deal that her – working style was really central to their own uh, development of their own aesthetic and mentality around creative production and maintaining that independent voice. So I think that's really important to emphasise as well and probably has something to do with that stringent um, adherence to this has to be an Adelaide-made film. 100%. So because that obviously the Babadook was also uh, made in Adelaide and kind of set explicitly in suburban Adelaide, just as Talk To Me is, uh, and working with, as you mentioned, the same production company. So there's this, I think, concentrated culture of innovation mm. and defiance of traditional ways of doing things in this past, what I'm calling golden decade of yep. Australian horror yep. filmmaking. Mm. Do you think like, and obviously when we're talking about national cinema, we often, the the link is, okay, these films were, and, and these filmmakers are based in a country. Like that's the obvious kind of way that we define this. But are there characteristics of Australian horror that you kind of, there's markers, like visual markers, aesthetic markers, um, ways in which we're approaching filmmaking? I think this past decade there has been a a tapping into this kind of lots of people hate the term I don't really like it as well but this kind of smart art horror that's going on obviously the fact that A24 picked up talk to me suggests that they see it in this same kind of wave hereditary obviously a key example of that but this really arty horror which also goes hard mm. so yeah. i'm fascinated by it because it's it in many ways i think is so australia is so well placed to punch way above its weight with that style of horror because it's integrating this trend um or this this history of australian horror filmmaking which was across this kind of exploitation and arty Australian Gothic mm. divide. It's kind of synthesising yeah. that. I really feel mm. like the Babadook Talk to Me, Relic, another amazing film that I absolutely love, they have that Australian Gothic yep. sensibility mm. and that beautiful highbrow aesthetic in many ways and, and absolutely schmick, stunning production values. But they also have that exploitation spirit to them where they <laughs> yeah. really do go hard. Mm. Talk to Me I found so transfixing as a horror obsessive and also researcher because it is constantly playing games with you. Mm. So yeah. you think you're in a safe space and then something really violent and bloody and loud happens, yeah. which is that, that typical exploitation messing with your sense of safety but really also um, pushing the boundaries in, in of, of offensiveness in, in beautiful ways. Can, mm. I think just to add to that idea of the the what the exploitation end, I think also as an ex, you know, well, not as an in-part, what do you call it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> as, I, obviously, I was born in Scotland, you might have guessed by the accent. Really, Stephen? No. But, I, but I do think Australia also has this kind of, there's just this ongoing fascination with teen culture in Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up in, in Scotland in the darkest, winters you know we, we'd love seeing summer bay and you know <laughs> heartbreak high and round the twist we're talking about yeah. there is this kind of fascination with Austin culture and I think 
that kind of, as you were talking about, broad accents, it kind of cuts through, whereas a lot of horror, wherever in the world, for a while there, was really trying to emulate the Mm. American voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the success is that kind of virgin on bogan in some places. Like, just proud working class people as well and not... It not necessarily being too austere or mm. prim and proper or, you know, very rich people having terrible things happen to them. There's something a wee bit more rough and ready mm, about that it. That rough Australia. around the edges yeah. factor, yes. And shout out to Sophie Wilde who plays Mia, Amazing. the central protagonist. Yes, yeah, she is spectacular in this film. They all are. Uh, so they all are, absolutely. And that you can tell there's been a lot of work uh, with the actors in making sure that that naturalistic kind of fast-paced dialogue carries yep. all the way through because it it's very immersive in how, I guess, authentic it feels. Mm. But I am holding out hope. Stephen said before about this, what Sundance being a bit of a barometer for Oscar's success, but I would lose my mind if oh my Sophie goodness. Wilde got any kind of um, attention in the prestige mm. uh, award circuit internationally. But I think she deserves it. She's been she was amazing in this film. She really is. I mean, the, 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 it's such an incredibly strong cast. You know, Joe Bird plays mm. the young boy. I mean, I am a, I'm like you. I'm a hardened horror lover, <laughs> but there are, there are sequences with him. Yes. And, and I'm sitting there going, you're really pushing this. Mm, <laughs> yes. And what do you think was so terrifying about the performance? Luke, one of the things I love, and, and I think for a while there, horror got lost in the woods of CGI. Mm. CGI should be only used in tiny sparing ways mm. in horror. For the most part, if you do things practically with gore and with sound effects that that and with shadow that's how you really terrify and and the philippines are so committed to mm. doing as much as possible in camera with practical effects and and makeup and well, they've got so many years of experience well, in they it, have. don't they i mean and like you look at their channel and that combo of horror and comedy i actually find the comedy elements uh, on their youtube channel that is almost like deepens the horror for yes. me. Like Absolutely. Because so you, you care about these characters. Yeah. For yeah. a while there was that torture porn kind of mm. craze where, where people were just body parts to be mm. mangled, whereas this film makes you care about these kids. They, yeah. They've got backstory. They've got interpersonal relations. They You really... You're, in, you're terrified for them because mm. you want them to survive. Mm. You don't want them to die in this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like their YouTube content, I think the comedy is a big part of the way they play games with yep. the audience mm. because many moments I was expecting comic relief and then something terrifying involving Joe Bird's character oh. would happen instead. Uh, and interesting reading interviews with uh, the Philippu brothers, they have talked about how uh, Joe Bird, who plays that, tween character Riley he auditioned early on and I think yes came back a bit later yes because of lockdown he was 12 Mm. and then 14 so they were like he's two different boys yes and Mm. they loved the second one more (laughs) so that's interesting that I guess when you're that age two years makes all the difference but the reason I found his performance so chilling was because he's at that tween liminal point where he at at moments he feels like a little child and you feel really feel you know, intensely his vulnerability. Mm. And at other times he is on the cusp of being a teen or a young man. So Mm. the creepiness of that liminality is definitely played up 
in major ways in the film. Well, yeah. we'll be doing a, a bit of a deeper dive into that liminality and the creepiness <laughs> uh, that exists between between tween, tweenhood or, or childhood uh, and horror a little bit later when we hear about some of the screening series that's coming up at RMIT. But if you are interested in seeing Talk To Me, or if you've likely already seen it, but if you want to re-watch it, it is still playing at all independent and major cinemas. Uh, just prior, we were chatting about uh, Talk To Me, which has just topped A24's biggest film ever, Wild. Uh, so, It's Educational is the theme for this year's Radiothon, and I hope it's been an educational show for you so far. Um, we've got some subscriptions to read out, so I'll get onto those. So, thank you to everyone who is renewing and subscribing for the first time. We've got quite a few renewals. So, Sophie Wicks uh, from Torquay, thank you. Uh, Marion Pernet from Brunswick is renewing to Far and Wide. Excellent program. Uh, Erin Carolyn from Brunswick East is renewing to The Breakfasters. Uh, Janelle Johnston from Rye is renewing to Astral Glamour. And Janelle says, thanks, Joe, for all the vibes. We've also got Jodie Lawson from Apollo Bay renewing to Astral Glamour and putting in a lovely donation. So thank you, Jodie. And Hannah Verhelen from Chadston is renewing to Primal Screen. Uh, mm. Hannah says, your program makes the world of cinema more accessible to people outside the industry. Thanks. Thank you, Hannah. That is what we try to do. Uh, Polly Ants, the white standard poodle from McIntyre. Uh, is that a pet renewal? I don't know. Uh, from Mount Eliza, uh, renewing to Vital Bits. Yay, Radio Rocks. Woof, that is definitely a pet subscription. And there are special prizes for pet subscriptions, so it's something to consider. Um, yeah, get on it. Uh, and, oh, and George Matulis from Fitzroy North is renewing uh, as an artist, which you can do as well. Uh, for Stolen Moments. And like I said, there's a special section for all the different prizes depending on your subscription. So artist subscriptions will be um, able to go into the draw for for lots of special prizes. And the Atkins Balfour family from Coburg are renewing to the web and also throwing in a very generous donation. So thank you so much for that. Um, You know, one of the things that I think is worth mentioning is that, of course, the cost of living has gone up, but the subscription rate here at Triple R has stayed the same. So it's just $40 a year and you can help keep community radio um, alive and, and show your support. And I think it's important to mention we don't have a paywall. So every listener has access to the show and that's to all the shows across the grid. Um, and I think that's really important. So thank you to everyone who has subscribed. Um, and... Uh, it's now time for us to talk a little bit about screening series that is coming up that I'm very excited about. Sarah and Jess, you are both involved with bringing this together. Before we get into the screening series, can we talk a little bit about your research? We mentioned, of course, that this is uh, the theme for the for Radiothon is It's Educational. Um, RMIT has a long history of connection with Triple R. Sarah, tell us about what your research covers. Sure, absolutely. So um, again, I'm so delighted to be here, and I'm kind of I'm kind of absorbing all of the information that I've been listening to for the last few minutes about Talk to Me, <laughs> but also the concept of a pet subscription. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of speaking and processing at the same time. But um, yeah, I'm a recent arrival from Canada, honestly, and I had a, a career as a librarian before kind of transitioning into the research world. So I'm very interested in effectively how people make their way through life with information and technology mm. as sort of key key parts of everyday life. 
So I'm particularly interested in um, everyday things that that are often quite um, quite personal, quite tacit for people. Mm-hmm. Things like food and bodily experiences, um, where we have such really profound experiences. Um, and when we see them depicted on screen, like we've been discussing, right, we react to that in really profound ways, mm-hmm. but it uh, can be really um, difficult and challenging, but also really exciting to kind of articulate. Mm. Um, and um, so that's, that's kind of my, that's my context here. And in, in, in relation to the film screenings, you know, I just, I just was drawn in um, because RMIT is the principal sponsor for Social Sciences Week, which is a, a national annual event here in Australia. And um, working with my colleague, Professor Lisa Given, we just were starting actually a few months ago to brainstorm, you know, let's get some plans rolling. And um, where I come from, there's a lovely theater called the Metro. I come from most recently from Edmonton, which is a city in Western Canada. And there's a theater there called the Metro where anyone can put in, can put in a, a series to curate. And so that kind of got me thinking about, you know, what if we were to bring together some really interesting social scientists from different perspectives mm. um, and pair them with some really interesting films and just mm. sort of present that really uh, fascinating kind of discussion that I think appeals to a lot of people, which is to see, see a really interesting film and then and then have a chance to talk about it with really interesting people. So that's that's sort of the concept. Um, yeah, if you if you like, I can speak a little bit kind of broadly to social sciences week yeah, um, tell just us to about contextualize that. I think that a few for listeners people. may not be across I, that in case in, in case any listener is not across that um, and I won't I won't go all the way to to the very beginning of the of the path <laughs> which is really like what is the social sciences right which is just this constellation of approaches that that are used to explore and understand the things that we create as human beings and our human experiences, right? So any and all kind of relationship, institution, uh, language, education, um, all, all, all sorts of human relations, institutions, and structures are of interest to social scientists, right? So mm. we're talking about anthropologists, sociologists, psychologists, the list goes on, mm. economists, urban planners, human geographers, the, the umbrella is very large. Mm. And in, in Australia, there's a, a large peak body called the Academy for the Social Sciences in Australia, and they put on um, an annual event. Social Sciences Week, really it is a gigantic collection of events that are being held all across the country. Mm. The vast majority of them are free, completely free to to attend, sorry, and many of them are virtual as well. So you Mm. can attend events all around the country. Oftentimes it's just a matter of, you know, clicking the link to sign up to an online event, Mm. which many of us are very accustomed to having, especially having lived through the past few years. So um, I want to be sure to mention socialsciencesweek.org.au, which is the single source of truth for <laughs> the specific events that we're talking about. But also, you know, there's just the the selection of events is just fabulous and broad. Um, mm. Just with with RMIT, you know, we have we have an event that's asking questions around how sport and sporting organizations should transform in response to the climate crisis around mm, sustainability. Yeah. We have um, we have an event that really relates to one of the one of the screenings in particular around how technology should be designed in the future to really center 
around human experiences mm. and our ethical considerations and priorities that we have as people, as opposed to kind of the other way around, which can happen, right, where mm. um, technology emerges and then the ethical conversation happens. So there's lectures, there's discussions, there's also particip participatory things like workshops, um, uh, seminars, you know, every, um, yeah. it's a whole grab bag. And so the film screenings are within the context of that really eclectic, diverse um, selection of events that really showcase and are really intended to share all of this yeah. amazing work that's happening across the country. It's lovely hearing the grounding for your own research and what kind of lens you're putting onto this event because I also am in a public libraries um, discipline and uh, an academic one as well. So it's, I think that libraries can be such a space in which we do exchange ideas and we do try to create community there and support community and I think that film festivals and film screenings can be that space as well and definitely for me that's what I love about going to public screenings of films. Um, we should mention that the film screenings, we'll, we'll dig into the specifics of them, but they are very affordable which I think is fantastic. Yes. $10 per screening. Is that right? You yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. And yeah. and my look was in no way was just to affirm the fact yeah. that you just stated and to add that popcorn is free. Oh wow! Okay, what? Free, free popcorn. That's actually we know how than... expensive yeah. popcorn is at the theater. And I, oh, sorry, I'm just going to be a bit sneaky. They are already very cheap because there's there's a Thursday horror double bill as we'll get into mm. it. Yeah. And there's a Saturday horror triple bill but it's kind of a family appropriate horror triple bill i, I would yeah I, yes. i've been using the word spooky spooky yeah. yes spooky <laughs> is the family appropriate <laughs> horror term but yeah definitely kind of a family friendly when we'll get into what they are but yes um, i'm going to be cheeky here and say you can access even cheaper tickets if oh. you use the code rmit23 oh hot, so, hot for primal so screen that's listeners. just a yeah a, oh. a hot tip for primal screen <laughs> listeners so let's get into the actual screenings themselves and the two that we're going to be focusing on disturbing technology is the first one which i just love this title the, the pairing that you've got here <laughs> megan and videodrome like just these two films so megan of course came out mm -hmm. last year videodrome 1983 what wh how did this come about i love this the, these two films being in conversation with one another um, maybe I'll start, and mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just making eye contact with Jess across the <laughs> table. So we'll just we'll just uh, go as we go. Um, Megan was an early um, an early front runner, an early priority mm. for us, um, in part because really overall this year, if you look at Social Sciences Week events, but also if you are connected to the world and tuned in. We're, we're all sort of feeling in the zeitgeist uh, conversation and concern and for some people even panic around AI, yeah. artificial intelligence, right? It's very much of the, the moment and, and it's, being, <laughs> it's being examined um, mm. from many different points of view. And so um, Megan, Megan fits in. Megan has a lot of the sort of buzzy, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. It was really sort of a kind of a sleeper hit. Um, uh, and very much in connection with that sort of younger audience, mm. I think, like like um, the film that we were discussing earlier. Um, but there's also an RMIT con connection, which is that the one of the uh, creators of the story of Megan um, is uh, James Wan, who is an, an alum of RMIT. So so that emerged as a front runner early on, and it's 
it's, I mean, it's just a great film. It's incredibly mm. intelligent and actually incredibly sophisticated, not just in its treatment of technology, but also the, the human context mm-hmm. around um, the role of technology that sort of disrupts um, the life of this young grieving person who's at the center of it. So uh, Megan was an early, an, an early choice. Of course, all of this hinges on the stuff that the behind the scenes stuff about licensing and availability and how much things cost. But mm. um, Megan came through, and then and then we just wanted to make a match to to Megan that would be intriguing, and also I would say kind of like a late night cult choice. Yes, yeah. it just happens to be the fortieth anniversary of Videodrome, which which is Whoa. absolutely a textbook. Mm. Um, you know, if you look up cult film in the dictionary <laughs> there's a picture of a guy pulling a beta max tape out of his stomach and probably uh, Cronenberg as well <laughs> yeah. nice picture of Cronenberg obviously the, yeah. the um, incredibly deranged director of this incredibly deranged yep. film <laughs> also, it's also just you know um, I think on, a, on kind of a cheeky level it's intriguing to think about anxiety around technology Mm. as a broad sort of multi-generational conversation. And at that moment in time, um, thinking about it circling around the idea of television, like local, Mm. local public television. Right. So, Mm. yeah. And, and Megan as the kind of 2022, 2023 manifestation of those anxieties we had 40 Mm. years ago around television signals and Videodrome, Megan, the name, the the film has the name of this AI powered doll that's at the centre of the mm. film, who's incredibly terrifying. Um, so I guess, and that's the mm-hmm. panel discussion in between. Will also, I guess, make those links between forty years of <laughs> terrifying technology mm. in relation. And and I will just quickly mention too that this is all happening at the spectacular Capital mm-hmm. Theatre, very nice in yes. Melbourne CBD. So that's the, you know, the the Picture Palace that RMIT is really lucky to have access to. Mm. So we're very excited that the, f- the films and panel will be taking place in such an incredible cinema as well. Yeah. And this double bill that we're talking about, we're talking about Thursday, the 7th of September. Yes. It starts at 6.30pm and tickets are still available. That is, that is <laughs> good. Maybe, maybe not for much longer though. Um, no, that sounds a fantastic double bill. And we should also mention um, that you have got, we, you called it spooky before, <laughs> but uh, Our Social World's Reinventions, which is um, the more family-friendly day of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you got for that? So that yeah, the more f- the the spooky day is um, so co- the film Coraline will be uh, the, our featured film, the stop motion animated, uh, critically acclaimed, spooktacular Henry Selick film. <laughs> yep. Which actually, this is just serendipitous, but it got re released in the US recently and sold out every cinema. Wow. So uh, the, seeing it on a huge capital screen because the capital screen being in a historic picture palace is humongous. So really mm. do not miss your opportunity. <laughs> but we also have two TV shows. So we have the classic, creepy, weird Aussie kids show, Round the Twist, an episode that of that. so creepy. I saw that you had that and I was like, yes, of course. I still think about that clown episode. Oh, yes, the clown. <laughs> that is I burnt into we, my memory. Clowns are just generally not good in horror. <laughs> I believe we talked about the clown and the creepy scarecrow and, and, yeah. and there was worry that maybe they were too scary when we're, this is very much a family day. Yeah. So we, we went with a slightly softer but cult episode. It's about the uh, uh, a a boy when Linda falls in love with a mermaid boy a very oh, cult, I remember that. cult episode yeah, yeah, that fits yeah. our reinventions yeah. theme <laughs> and also the show Crazy Fun Park which just 
beat Bluey for the most outstanding kids show, Logie, and filmed uh, locally in Altona uh, and set in this abandoned film, a theme park, which they actually constructed a physical set. We we're talking about yep. the importance of in-camera and physical mm. uh, sets and effects before. Uh, and Nicholas Verso, who's the creator and director of that show, will be there in conversation. Oh, so a very special Fabulous. afternoon of spooktacular. Definitely I'll use the correct term, Sarah. <laughs> spooktacular. Is, is it time to get ready for Halloween? Like maybe maybe we're, we're edging close enough. <laughs> I just I just want to say this screening um, our social worlds that Jess has just been describing. Yeah. Here we're talking about Saturday the 9th of September. Yes. And the yes. show starts at 2 p.m. And again, it is at the fabulous Capitol um, in Melbourne CBD. And free would, popcorn, free popcorn. I would mm-hmm. definitely attest that these are films are more appropriate for nine-year-olds than the films I was watching. With. <laughs> <laughs> and so we should clarify, Dark Technologies is on Thursday. That's right. And it's, then we've got the spooktacular the Saturday matinee. Mm. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. And, and it's yeah. to get it's social sciences after dark, isn't it? That's correct, Sarah. The Thursday, the Thursday, yeah. Disturbing technology, social sciences after dark, and. Social, our social world's reinventions. But if you look up some combo of social sciences in any of those film titles, I believe the right yeah, links will come up. Yeah, I've been just using socialsciencesweek.org.au and it's mm-hmm. popped up for me. Um, I think this is an amazing amount of um, curation. And also, like we should mention, you're, we talked so much tonight about getting academics in conversation with community. This is exactly that in practice. You have some amazing speakers for both of those screenings. And I think it'd be really interesting to see what the reactions are, especially um, you mentioned off-air, Jess, about the fact that this is one of the first family sort of day screenings mm. that RMIT is engaged with. I think it's fantastic when you see universities thinking about connecting up with families, with yes. kids, and especially with horror, which mm, sounds yeah. kind yes. of controversial, but it works. I, yeah. I think there's a, real, um, there's a real opportunity here to kind mm. of, um, you know, create a space to have these conversations, which yeah. can actually be very, um, a lot of people find them very challenging. It's not, and you can talk to any, any researcher who's ever sort of examined like, the the political the the representation of democracy in a child's film or television mm. show right it, there there can be a a bit of discomfort around um, um, you know acknowledging that uh, you know social structures and how they get represented you know uh, we all learn from mm. from the media that we that we encounter right and it's mm. really how how do we how do we talk about it. Um, and the fact is that we can talk about it and kind of have critical, really fascinating conversations and still just have a great time and still enjoy ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. These kinds of conversations don't, you know, they don't take away from the enjoyment that we have and mm-hmm. they, they don't, um, you know, uh, they don't interfere with that in any way. It's just there are so many layers and so many mm-hmm. angles because any, mm-hmm. any film is... You know, there's the the narrative and the context and the 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 work of art itself, but then there's that thing within within society. Mm. You know, so for example, Videodrome. Um, I'm hoping that our panel will get to the phenomenon of video, Videodrome, which is a film from the early '80s. Um, you know, how would you have watched Videodrome in you know when word got around about it in mm. a city like Melbourne at that time? Right. That's it would it wouldn't have been necessarily an easy thing to get mm-hmm. your hands on a copy of that and so then we're talking about like how do how do these works of art actually circulate in different at different points of time in different places in the mm-hmm. world right so there's so just so many ways that the conversation 
can go and it's all just about exploring and understanding the human experience. Well if you'd like to head along to either or both of those screenings just head to socialsciencesweek.org.au the special discount code was RMIT RMIT 23 I'm cheekily sharing oh. with the with the primal <laughs> screen world of RMIT 23. The more yes. the merrier honestly um, and I think I think I might have mentioned the free popcorn. Mm, yes. Free popcorn, yeah. another mention. <laughs> and Megan is just one of the funnest horror films. If you like it. child's play. And also I feel like it harks back to Metropolis as well. I yes, can, you yes. Know, yeah. The crazy feminine robot, mm. all for it. <laughs> yeah, oh, and it's, it's a, a film that demands a very raucous, engaged audience as okay. well, which is another yeah. reason we were drawn to it. And Thanks also, like, series. talking about word of mouth, the film was, became a massive hit before it was released yes. just by the That's gif right. of a, her dancing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Made it something I that people had to see. So long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure you head along. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Uh, it has been a bumper issue, a bumper second episode of Radiothon. Um, and just before we wrap up, I want to give a quick shout out to Scotty Lewis who from Brunswick who is renewing to Primal Screen. Thank you so much for that. We've also got Michael Musgrave from Mill Park who's renewing a passionate um, renewal and with a, a lovely 100 dollar donation actually I probably don't need to mention how much you're donating but any amount is is a wonderful amount um look uh I hope you've enjoyed tonight's show um we talked a lot about talk to me it is still (laughs) (laughs) you can't shut me up about that film (laughs) (laughs) we wouldn't want to um so I hope you check that out and um the screenings for RMIT for the social sciences week just head to socialsciencesweek.org for ten dollar tickets and Free popcorn. Um, Sarah, Stephen, Jess, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, it is good night from us. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 